Lord God Almighty, we pray that you would bless this time, that you would fill this place with your spirit, that the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts might be pleasing in your sight. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning we have something of a rare occurrence, at least in my experience, a reading from the book of Proverbs. And again, at least in my experience, it would be even rarer to hear a sermon on the book of Proverbs. And so as I was preparing this sermon over the course of this week, I thought to myself, man, it would be so cool if I could preach a sermon on the book of Proverbs. But I'm not. I got a little intimidated. I got a little scared. And so, you know, I went with the gospel reading. I went the safe route, the Jesus route. But as I was reading through our gospel reading this week, you'll never guess what I found. Another proverb. You see, proverbs are all around us. Oftentimes we use them without even knowing what we're saying. And so this morning I thought it would be useful to point out a few modern proverbs, words of wisdom, statements that we say are what reality is really like. And so what I'd like to do, I'm going to have the first part of the proverb up on the screen, and I'd like you to finish that proverb. Now, I think these are going to be pretty easy. The 5 o'clock service nailed it last night, so I'm expecting similar things from you guys. We have a softball to start, though. So a penny saved is a penny earned. That's exactly right. See, this isn't too hard. When the going gets tough, very good. Money doesn't grow. And one more. God helps those. Now, these are all words of wisdom. How many of you have ever used any of these sayings? Me too. Uh, guilty as charged. And our society, our culture, these words are just ingrained in us. We know these words and we take them as if they were real. And now I can't really argue with a penny saved as a penny earned, but maybe as we think about these Proverbs, as we think about what our culture has said is wisdom, we can see how we've been shaped by these words. And maybe not always to the better. But you see, a good proverb is kind of like the sun on a cool spring morning. Sometimes it's shining dimly in the background, hidden behind the clouds while we shiver in the shade. But then when those clouds break, when that sun bursts forth in its true light, we feel ourselves being warmed being enlivened because a good proverb is kind of like the sun. When it shines its true knowledge in our lives, it gives us light and life. 
And like I said, in our gospel reading this morning, we actually come across a proverb. Jesus is at a dinner. He's been invited by the Pharisees to dine with them. And as he's watching the Pharisees squabble over places of honor within the house, who gets to sit where, who deserves the most honor, he retells Proverbs 25. And he closes with a proverb of his own in verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. These words are recorded for us, certainly meant to be seen as words of wisdom, as a statement about what is real in our lives. And yet I kind of hate to say it, these being words of Jesus and everything. But as I look around, it doesn't seem like maybe this proverb is quite up to snuff. It doesn't seem like this proverb is very accurate. I mean, think about these words for a minute. Try to bask in their glow. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Does that seem to be how the world works at all? Now, I'm not trying to be political with this comment, so please don't take it this way. Whether you agree with his policies or not, does President Trump strike you as an individual who regularly humbles himself? Or is he a man that likes to point to his accomplishments, to his successes? And yet look where this man has gotten, where President Trump has gotten. He's the most powerful man in the world. But this isn't just a problem that happens in America. We're not the only culture that tries to puff ourselves up. This happens all over the world. The rich and the powerful do everything in their considerable power to stay in power. We stockpile wealth and assets, making sure that we're taken care of for a later date. We buy bigger and bigger houses and faster cars and TVs that fill our living rooms. I just purchased a new TV. We constantly look out for ourselves. We constantly point other people to our successes, to our accomplishments, screaming out, look at me. And all the while, as we build ourselves up higher and higher, the poor and the marginalized sink lower and lower, hidden from our view because who wants to look at that? I'm not trying to be too down here, but think about it for a moment. Would we ever look at a homeless person and say, this is truly an important member of our society? 
Would we look at a child with disabilities and say, yes, this is a valuable leader in our community? When we're looking for wisdom and power, do we venture into a sick ward? These words of Jesus, this proverb is almost laughable in a culture that is just so obsessed with success and power and riches and strength. And in fact, as I read these words, I can almost picture those first hearers, those Pharisees scoffing at Jesus, saying, what a joke. This isn't how the world works. If you want to get by, you've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You've got to show just how good you are. As we look at the world around us, it doesn't seem like this proverb measures up. And yet, I ask that you picture something with me this morning. I ask that you picture a king, a powerful, proud king sitting firmly in his throne, a leader who rules with an iron fist with many slaves and servants and workers that build monuments and statues and cities in his name, a man that just exudes royalty and dignity and pride. And yet on this day, he has a couple rather unusual visitors to his throne room. A shepherd from the wilderness and one of his slaves. No one would mistake these two for royalty and yet here they stand in the presence of this God-like king and give him a command. The Lord says, let my people go. And as this king looks upon these two figures, he sees their ragged clothes, their weathered faces, and he scoffs. I do not know this Lord. Who is this Lord to command me? I will not let his people go. And so he dismisses the rabble. And in fact, because of their insolence, he squeezes even tighter on his slaves, making their work even more difficult, making their lives even harder. But before he knows it, his kingdom is falling apart around him at the work of this mysterious Lord. And he sits alone in the darkness, his pride his only companion, his stony heart growing harder and harder and colder and colder as he sets his face against the Lord. It isn't until his stony heart breaks, shattered into pieces, his once stony face fissured with tears, as he holds his lifeless son in his arms, that he relents, letting God's people go. A once proud man, broken.
Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, the fact of the matter is that no matter how powerful we think we are, no matter how great our throne, no matter how filled our vaults are with wealth, there's a reckoning coming. One that no amount of gold or riches or strength or power or wisdom can keep at arm's length. A reckoning that will come for the most powerful king or the lowliest beggar. All of us will return to dust, unable to feel the light of the sun any longer. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But I ask that you look at another king, a humble king, a king that kneels before his followers, a towel wrapped around his waist. He takes their dirty, grime-encrusted feet and washes them. A teacher, he calls his students brothers, friends. He serves them, he gives to them. And this King of Kings, he looks anything but as he humbles himself before his people. The only crown he wears, a crown of thorns that pierces his brow. Instead of cheers, he hears the jeers, crucify him. Those peaceful healing hands now are in need of healing as they are nailed to the tree. No one is there to serve him. No one is there to wash his feet. But blood and water trickle down over them from his pierced side, falling into the dust below. Into a tomb, a stranger's tomb, he is placed. As this humble king sleeps the sleep of all humanity, buried away in darkness, a stone locking him away in death. And yet I ask that you look closely at that stone, because that stone will not, no, cannot stay put. Because three days later, we'll see exactly who this king is. The light of the world will walk triumphantly from the darkness and bask in that early morning glow of the sun. The king of creation will be proclaimed as the very ground, the very earth shakes at his awakening. 
Every tongue will confess that this Jesus is Lord. The humble has been exalted. And with this moment, God shows that these words are true. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. As we look at God's story of salvation, this is how he operates again and again and again. And he still operates this way today. Think about where he promises to reveal himself. Is it in grand buildings in thunder and lightning and fire and smoke? No. Although certainly he can reveal himself through those things. But in water, in bread and wine, in simple everyday objects that we pass by without noticing. And yet in these humble objects, God promises forgiveness and life and salvation. The humble will be exalted. Or maybe we can look at us. Paul wrote these words about the Corinthian church, and yet I'd guess that they apply to us as well. Now, I'm new here, but hear these words from Paul. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Again, I don't know all of you, but I wager these words strike us as true. They strike me as true about me. Not many of us would be considered among the very wise of this world. Not many of us would be considered very powerful. Not many of us would have royal blood coursing through our veins. And maybe you do. Maybe you are wise. Maybe you are powerful. Maybe you are a leader in our community. That's not really Paul's point. But Paul's point is this. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, brothers and sisters, what Paul is saying with these words, what Jesus is saying in this proverb in our gospel reading, is that our accomplishments don't really matter. Our status, our wealth, our power, meaningless. The houses we live in, the cars we drive, our race, our economic class, our ACT score, our IQ, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. Frankly, you don't matter. And I don't matter either. What matters is where we stand. Or perhaps more accurately, where we kneel. 
What matters is that we throw ourselves at the foot of the cross, crying out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What matters is the promises of the one who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. What matters is that God has promised that our once stony, proud hearts have been made humble. That death will be done away with forever. That one day we will dwell in the light of the Son, Jesus Christ, for all eternity. Because one day that humble King will return. One day that Lord of Lords will descend in all his terrifying majesty and glory. His light will shine into every corner, chasing the darkness away before it. And at his coming, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess, surely this Jesus is Lord. And at his coming, this proverb will ring true one last time. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So bask in those words. Bask in their glow. Let their light and their warmth fill your lives. Because in Christ, those words have been fulfilled. In Christ, those words are no longer a curse to us, but a promise. And in that promise, we have light and life. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may it guard and keep your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. At this time, we'll gather our tithes and offerings, responding with generosity to the generosity that God has shown us. And as we do, I ask that you would take a moment to fill out the connected cards in front of you in the pews and place them in the offering plate as they go by.